0: This is Ken and Curtis on WEEI. I let that one breathe a little bit, Curtis.
1: Does nobody have 21? Nobody had it since Clemens? I don't think so. That's a Jerry question, I know, but we have, is that Hulk in 22? Whitlock, Whitlock's twenty-two. Helps, 89. 89. Um, I why why wouldn't they retire Roger Clemens's number? And what's the point
0: of just not allowing other people to use it? If they're going to do it, in Joe Castiglione's Hall of Fame year, they should make Joe happy and do it because he brings it up pretty much every broadcast. He wants Roger's number retired, so they I should
1: mean, do it. I mean, if but you're going to retire, about? if you're going to retire Ortiz's
0: number, why wouldn't you retire? Oh, by the way, here's a baseball. Uh, story. quick report. aside before we get off that. Pedro V Clemens, couple of those matchups. Those were dynamite. I was at the
1: one I was at 99 Game 3 ALCS. Yeah, that's the big one. Where is Roger in the shower? Phenomenal. Yep. yep. Um, the, the best Pedro performance though playoff-wise is Game 5 ALDS 1999 Nine. against the Indians. Cleveland, yeah. Two grands and got the grand slam by Troy O'Leary. Best call, I know Doug, I don't know if he's a Trupiano guy, but uh, Grand Slam, one of the best calls ever on WEI. Way back. Spectacular, that game was, that was actually a legit rivalry. One of my favorite Sean McDonough's, way in the weeds. Red Sox-Indians was like a day game, Doug might remember this, where uh, Pedro hit Einar Diaz, and Einar Diaz stared out to the mound and Sean McDonough goes, future Hall of Famer Einar Diaz <laughs> staring out at Pedro
0: Martinez. <laughs> Anyway, I can do Pedro all day long. And we're waiting for him. So we'll we'll continue to wait. And I want to replay now you getting Sam Kennedy all mad in the first hour of the show. We'll save this for the end. First it was Tom Warner to respond. And then Sam, very passionate. It's about a minute 45, the length of this answer. But Curtis uh, basically throwing down the gauntlet uh, as to whether they care anymore. Your your point
2: is that these issues come up around lack of focus or it may not be as important in, it's almost a zero-sum way and what i mean by that is when you finish last two years in a row of course those are going to be the questions we have to acknowledge that and own that in october of 2021 there was not one bit of discussion around lack of focus uh there was no discussion of liverpool or investment in other areas you know why? Fenway Park was freaking electric. I've never felt Fenway Park the way it felt for that one-game playoff against the Yankees when Xander took Garrett Cole deep. The place almost came down. I know it was 2021. It was a couple years ago. But why? We were winning baseball games. We're playing in October. When we have two sucky seasons like we've had, these are natural questions. We have to take them. But I can tell you, as a kid who grew up less than a mile from Fenway Park, if you think for one second that we aren't passionate, committed, dedicated to the Boston Red Sox, you're wrong, you're a liar, and I'll correct you on it. Because it's total BS, and we are committed. We're frustrated, we take it personally, it angers us when we don't win, and we understand their natural questions. But look back in history, these questions come up when we're not performing at the major league level, we have to perform at the major league level, and those questions will go away. But to say that the attention, or the commitment, or the care isn't there is just flat wrong. So I would
1: follow up with that. I thought Ch- uh, Sam did a good job there. There was some passion. If you're going to called say, you a liar, I mean, I've been called worse. You almost swore. You really get under people's skin. You have a knack. That's kind of the purpose of this job, Ken. You should probably pay attention. Yeah, but this is even in your personal life. Yeah, people don't like me. It's fine, you know. I, I, most, most, most great acts are alone. You know, <laughs> that's not true at all. Um, so, <laughs> but I would say this very simply: if you finish in last place, you should spend. If you're passionate, you would do more investment-wise to get the team out of the gutter.
2: Right. You,
0: doubly so if you're in last place in consecutive years. Well, you heard Warner say the teams that spent one, two, and three last year didn't win, but they leave out, of course, that. The fourth spending team, Texas, did win. So does, does Tom Warner think it was stupid to spend the way they did when they won those World Series?
1: Right. They were almost number one in spending, they were think, never three at, of those. So four. here's the thing that I find laughable. So this year they're telling you that the teams that spend don't win. Last year, I believe, opening day, Flag and gresham Fourier, interviewing Tom Warner. Tom Warner almost jumped over the table to correct them where they were in payroll. Yeah. When... If that didn't matter, if people that spend are dumb, why do you care what people perceive your spending to be? Especially if it's not at the top of the league. Yeah. You're talking out of both sides of your mouth, which is what you do when you get caught and people don't think you're doing what you should to. For the team to be successful you
0: create new straw men to rely upon well and it's also they uh, you know tom made an emphasis that we want to sign our homegrown players and mentioned devers but of course right has so gone xander's gone they've lost a lot of that yeah that works Gravitas. well with the, with the rays
1: okay. and with the you know the brewers but that shouldn't be the boston red sox approach especially when they if you're going to say that paying doesn't matter in the top of the market then why do you charge at the top of the market but what? that's why Cora, I think, has him in a tough spot. Cora's very popular. Oh, i got to tell you, Cora has never seemed more at ease. Yeah, but I think publicly, but it, I think behind it, it, the scenes he's bothered, don't no, you? It, no. He I almost, don't know. No, no, no. If you knew you had the opportunity
0: to make $40 million in your next deal, it's like Senior Spring. Yeah, but wouldn't you be insulted that they're not believing in you enough to just give you the contract now? Well, maybe he doesn't
1: want to be here. In terms of well, yeah. where the direction of the organization is going. Maybe. Alex Cora needs to win another World Series without a stain to get to the Hall of Fame as a manager if he wants to get there someday. And so he wants to get there. It's, do you want to manage this team, or do you want to manage the Dodgers? Yeah, but they did get rid of Bloom, who I don't think he liked, so I think that probably made him happy. Okay, but, if they, but <laughs> did you believe that when they brought in Craig Breslow that Alex Cora would be reporting to him directly? And there's only like 10 good jobs for I'm asking you that question. Do well, you think that... Alex Cora, when they removed Bloom believed that he would then be reporting directly to Craig Breslow. No, I'm hoping he has some collaboration there. But, I, but what? So you're saying they're not being truthful about this? Yes.
0: I would. I would hope Breslow is listening to him. This is liar on liar. Well, <laughs> no, I'm just telling you. Come on, you don't think Cora has a say in who they've signed and brought in? And I, I think Alex
1: Cora is already getting dinner with Arthur Blank in his mind. I think Ugh. he's going somewhere else. He's he's looking at
0: the next opportunity, and God bless him. But you don't want to end up in like Kansas City or like some of these. Th- how many managerial He's not going to get traded. Well, no, but you don't know what jobs are coming open. This is a good job. Playing at Fenway is awesome. Playing at Fenway on the weekends, Friday nights, he, as Sam pointed out, that's still... $9 college night. $9. You can't beat that. I mean, you can't, although you probably get beaten, so that won't be fun. And people care, as we've seen here at Winter Weekend. They're still passionate. They're invested. It's right. one of the best baseball markets going. There are only 5 to 10 good jobs. I agree,
1: but he either gets one of those good jobs or goes back to ESPN for a year. I mean, that's his, I
0: mean it's not yeah, like he's that's completely true. out of options. You think Belichick would do that if he runs out of managerial options, he goes into media? I would be the most grateful
1: human on the planet if for some reason Bill Belichick decided to sit out a year and join Brady on Fox. Oh. Belichick, Brady, and Burkhart. <laughs> what a team. <laughs>
0: Uh, that would be a disaster. It would be awful, but it would be foul. Brady would be worse. Uh, Bill was good at that 100 best players. Like, when he needs to turn it on, he's not bad. Right. Well, right. when he's talking about Matthew Slater, nobody's better. <laughs> but Brady has a tough time ripping guys. At least he has. By I the know. way,
1: nobody, more, nobody did more this season away from the game to dictate conversation than Tom Brady did, talking about the penalties, the way games were called. I mean... Whatever. It doesn't matter. You don't like the guy, it's fine. Well,
0: Wiggy wants to retire. I, I agree.
1: He's still got some game left, so he should. Okay. We've reached the Tom Brady unretire part of the Kenny Curtis show. Well, he is not coming back. You wanted Russell Wilson. I mean, if we're going there. Right. Russell Wilson's like 32. Who, who's better, Brady or Wilson? Um, let me see. Who's better, Russell Wilson or Tom Brady? I think Tom Brady's better than okay. Russell Wilson. Okay. So why not, isn't it a legit conversation? Why isn't Marv Levy still coaching? Because he's a <laughs> 100? You know, at a certain saying, point the last year, he was good. He's got the same numbers the last that Baker we does. Brady, he sucked. He wasn't bad. He was not great. The Bucks
0: were. They didn't lose to Dallas, it which was so unnerving. Like, it looked like a joyless slog. I mean, it was a tough year. I got to say, you and I were both wrong about Dallas. Can we admit that? I thought McCarthy was gone. That is stunning. But you know what this shows? It is really regarding how cheap NFL owners is. The o-
1: owners are the only NFL owner today. That continually p- pays people to not work is Mark Davis, who wouldn't know, a, <laughs> like, he doesn't even know what money is. He's just like, you so know. So he's a good owner. Well, I mean, his fans should like him. But, I mean, Tepper and Mark Davis, they hire and fire everybody. But Jerry Jones doesn't want to pay Mike McCarthy to do nothing and then pay Bill Belichick $20 million. That's yeah. what it came to. I, my guess is Jerry called Bill, right? And Bill said either he's interested or he's not, and what the pricing would, it be? it would have been. And, and what Jerry, do you, So
0: you think Bill told him, I don't want to go there?
1: I think financially that Jerry didn't want to put that amount of money
0: into a coach and have another coach not doing anything. Now, I missed you guys were chatting about uh, Steve and Brian Belichick a bit on the show this week. Are you of the mind? Do you believe Mayo would actually keep no. them? Okay. No. Because I, I don't buy that either.
1: That was another case of... The, that's where the Patriots and Red Sox have really coalesced. It's in this attempt to create an image that defies what you're actually seeing. Like, Bill Belichick was fired. It's fine. He was, you know, reached the end of time with the team. He was there for 25 years. And Robert Kraft, in an attempt to be seen and perceived as magnanimous, has this idiotic hug where they don't even answer a question. And then a day later, you see the story leak to SI that, or rest in peace, that um, <laughs> that the uh, that Stephen and Brian were offered positions, right? You know what the issue with that report is: if they were offered positions, they would be retained. Yeah, they, they, that was this thing as a olive branch to Bill to say, if you come on stage, we'll make it seem like the kids were still offered a job here, even though nobody in their right mind believes they'd stick
0: around. Well, it's it's actually a good. I, I agree with you. I think the but vast majority of the people don't believe it was real. I don't know. People, some people bought into that because people do give Steve credit for the defense. So they think some people think so he's calling hi- the place. Why didn't they hire Steve Belichick to be the head coach? I just think the craft relationship is not there. But they, it's fine to have him on a staff. No, I don't think so. They wouldn't have him on the staff. So then, what do you? So then, you agree that it was a fake Oh no, uh, no, I totally agree. But I think it was successful in convincing people that Steve has value. Yeah, I, if Bill goes to the
1: Falcons, that is just such a done to me like who cares about the it's Falcons? a weird place I mean the division is winnable I guess but it's, they have a lot to overhaul I, I actually saw this Dan Patrick had a funny back and forth of like how long into the press conference when they introduced Bill does it take for someone to ask that awkward 28 to three question <laughs> because it's I mean
0: it's it's out there I mean it's but it's kind of fitting though for you people on your side. That he would go there and win uh, break Shula's record in just total anonymity. Nobody will care. It'll be mild applause.
1: There you know. was one person that was the driving force between the singular focus on winning and he went to Tampa. Robert's been consumed with making the Hall of Fame and Bill's been consumed about passing Shula. It's not about team. It's about individuals from people that created the Patriot Way, which was this whole nonsense that it was all about the individual. Is just an attempt to
0: curb spending. Well, you were gushing about Pedro last hour, and I think you scared him. I think you were a little over aggressive in your that's love for true. him. I know it's I, he when he comes in, you'll know it because there'll be like a mob of people. I'm assuming ten more minutes. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, that's Maybe not bad. 15. Maybe fifteen. Well, All wait, right. I'm going to wait for Does Pedro. Anybody else want to come
1: up and host for fifteen minutes?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love the fans here. People are in. Do you now Springfield experience different from Foxwoods, but always big crowds. Even t- it's so cold, it is miserable outside, and it's still always great fans at this event. Blows me away uh, every year. This is the curse because the the
1: brand and the sustainability of Red Sox fans is so sustainable for and the park. The park mean, is such just, a tourist attraction. I thought it was going to be tumbleweeds. Honestly, like uh, the Red Sox in my lifetime. I mean, I guess the early nineties, but you know, uh, from ninety five on, I don't think they've been where they are now. Which is just sort of this kind anger, of, kind of fighting for. Uh, relevance like it used to be you know 95 wins can they win the division or they will will they be a wild card that was about 20 years and lately it's like you have Lou Merloni best in the business who says you know if everything goes right maybe 86 wins and that shouldn't be the case you need to reinvest in the product and it's also the financial model is if you invest you gain more viewers Nessun is the cash cow that is where they make the vast majority of their money If you have a good team, more people watch. I don't know why they don't correlate that. And especially with Major League Baseball, they just reinstitute. I mean, it's nowhere near the NFL package, but there's a new TV deal where they get an additional like $1 to $200 million a year per team. I mean, there's money out there. And certainly, I mean, the Dodgers are spending it. Other teams are spending it. The Yankees are, you know, bringing in Juan Soto. I mean, I don't know why I don't get it. I guess
0: Lou's right about that. The Yankees are really the only team that has spent in the division. So at least you've got that. I mean the Rays Okay, and but the Orioles, but the Orioles have a history of finishing in last place for a
1: decade. They have a pretty good roster for, you know, drafting and developing. The, the Jays are a talented team underperforming, but yep. I mean, the Red Sox are the least talented team in the division, correct? I think
0: so. On paper, they're sti- they're kind of where they were last year. Right. I mean. Do you anticipate that at
1: the conclusion of the
0: year that they would be you No. Know. No. We thought they'd spend. Right. I mean, it's not I don't yet. get it. Not yet. Pedro not yet. Hopefully next. In the meantime, here's Joe Braver: with the news. The Pedro news. Martinez of WEI. Yes.
2: Your home of the Sox. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI.
3: Let me at least get the fastball up to 95 on this trending update. Celtics are no longer undefeated at home as they fell to the reigning champion Nuggets 102-100. to It also broke a 27-game home winning streak dating back to last season. Jason Tatum did have two chances for Boston. He missed a go-ahead layup with 17 seconds and a tying jumper at the buzzer. Coach Joe Mazzulla talked after the game. He still likes the shot selection from Jason Tatum.
1: I mean, your best player has the ball and an opportunity, and he got a, uh, whether it was on two or three guys, he got a, a layup and he just missed it. So, I mean, the balance is you trust your best player to make a play and just didn't make it.
3: Tatum finished with 22 on the night. Derek White led the way with 24. Seas will now hit the road to face the Rockets in Houston tomorrow night. The Bruins are back on the ice for a classic rivalry matchup with the Canadiens. We got reports Linus Allmark will get the start after missing the last four games with an injury. Brandon Carlo and Matthew Patra are both slated to return as well. Puck drop from TD Garden is set for 7 o'clock. The interviews continue as the Patriots try and fill out Jerron Mayo's coaching staff. The team will interview current defensive line coach DeMarcus Covington for the vacant defensive coordinator position, and also former Giants special teams coordinator Thomas McGaughey will interview for the vacant special teams coordinator position. Meanwhile, former head coach Bill Belichick officially completed a second interview with the Atlanta Falcons yesterday. And the divisional round of the NFL playoffs gets underway today with the Texans taking on the top seeded Ravens in Baltimore, followed by the other number one seed 49ers hosting the Green Bay Packers. You can listen to Westwood One's coverage of both games right here on 93.7 WEI-FM, beginning at 4pm following Rob Bradford. I'm Joe Braverman, and that's what's shining on WEI and WEI.com.
0: Our coverage of winter weekend here at the Mass Mutual Center presented by McFarlane Energy, the heating, cooling, and bioheat delivery pros that Eastern Mass and all of Cape Cod depend on McFarlaneEnergy.com. By the E. L. Harvey Companies, including Nosset Disposal and Mega Disposal, Curtis, your trash collection and recycling providers, and by Aviva Trattoria, Italian-inspired, locally made from fresh, whole, locally sourced ingredients. And uh, you guys will be heading to Fort Myers, Gray Hill Morning Show on location. You're not coming? I will. Uh, I'll be there, but on a separate uh, time. Oh, no, okay. On a separate time. And look who we have coming to the stage now. Pedro is on his way. I thought I was going to say Bradfell. I was going to jump on <laughs> We finally have Pedro Martinez coming. By the way, Bradfell will be on 1-4, to 4, so after us today. And I just got a nice baseballs and boring uh,
1: sticker here. Very good. And, uh, yeah, so we'll be down there at the end of February. End of February, which is always a good time to go.
0: Players haven't uh, been over-inundated with the media requests, and the games haven't really kicked off in a full way yet, and it's exciting. So we'll hope that some of those guys turn the corner. Pedro
1: looks like I mean talking about Brady I mean Pedro looks like he did when he was playing
0: hasn't aged a day not a surprise no and uh, he's been uh, of course a great representative of Boston and the Red Sox since he retired including his Hall of Fame there he is hello Pedro thank you for coming sir Pedro Pedro Martinez everybody three time Cy Young award winner and a Hall of Famer and he joins us here on the Ken and Curtis show we are honored we are honored sir how are you? Let's see if we can. We gotta feel go- great. Oh, good. Oh, there Th- you are. Thank you for coming by. Pedro, I've been
1: talking all day here, knowing that you're coming by, about what you brought to Boston in the you know, late 90s, your arrival, and how you made Fenway totally transform. It brought this energy where people dictated their social lives around your starts. You know, we talk about the 2000s and John and Tom and the new ownership and everything, and that's all right. They, they made a lot of great changes to Fenway Park. But the sort of pendulum moving towards winning began when Dan Duquette traded for you. What did pitching in Boston mean to you, and what was it about here that brought out the best in you?
4: Well, thank you. I, I'm glad I'm in this position to answer this question because I think right now we are in the same position to actually bring uh, define character, define attitudes. Uh, the first thing I'm going to say about coming into Boston, uh, I wasn't really well known. Uh, in baseball, yes, people realized that I had won the Cy Young in the National League and all that. But what I brought over to Boston before I threw a pitch was appreciation for Boston. Because I was in Montreal for the last four years and I got renewed three times and I left LA because I wasn't appreciated in LA and the first night I came over with my little short sleeves shirt that I brought over from Dominican uh, was a whole bunch of people like this covering the gate where I, where I, where I was arriving from. and. Uh, Right away, I realized that this was different, that people got really excited about me, that that I needed to commit to Boston, and that I needed to show Boston the same appreciation that they were showing for me, even though I hadn't thrown a pitch in Boston. So that's the kind of culture that I wanted to build. I wanted to build a good relationship with Boston. I did that. I wanted to compete to the best of my, my abilities for Boston. And I did that. And I was talking to David yesterday and talking to Tech. And we were all three sitting in the, in the room, in the back room, before we came out. And, and I, said to, I said to David, I think, looking back on it, we left the culture of winning. We left a kind of a sense of a different character, different attitudes, but all winning attitudes. And if you watch... 2004, that was the team that finally got it for Boston. Right away, 2007, there were a lot of the players from 2004. 2013, there were still players that were coming up not only homegrown, but also with the same attitude that we have. We didn't like the Yankees. We didn't like anybody. We just thought we could win. And that filtered all the way up to 18. Once all of us left, it seems like a little bit of the culture has been missing. Mm-hmm. Plus, uh, you know, management changed, uh, GM's change, and the things that we did kind of have been sliding away from what, what, what we had in, in our minds and, and in our hearts.
1: And Pedro, going to those you, David, and Tech, the first word I think of is accountability that you three really embodied that in terms of whether you're on the mound, if they're throwing towards Manny, you're going to make sure that their batters know that their pitcher should stop doing that. You had Veritek, obviously, the captain, and and David, sort of the last remaining part of that in 18, as a guy that was, you know, just clutch in in, in every every way. So accountability, how does that return? How does that type of culture return, even though you guys are no longer day-to-day part of the organization?
4: Well, we have to, uh, first of all, go and get players and grow players that want to be in Boston, that love Boston, that understand that accountability is going to be a day-to-day uh, request from the fans, from yourself. First of all, it has to be from yourself. You have to love Boston the way Boston is. And Boston is demanding. They understand their game. They know exactly what, to, what they expect. And uh, that's what you got to do. Put on that uniform and say, Jump on my back, it, but it has to be every day. It has to be consistently. It cannot be. I want to be a bully on on the three outings I'm gonna take, and then I'm gonna sit back in the in the IL and not come back in a month. You have to really try to stay healthy, focus for the you know for the entire year, and then after the year you can go anywhere you want to go. But Boston is gonna demand that you play hard, that you're accountable that you show your face the days you struggle even though you you have to probably say what you don't want to say but be honest and uh, they they're gonna know it you guys have 24 7 news here so the people are aware Boston is one of the most educated areas that you can find in the United States so they're going to read, they're going to hear, they're going to be aware, and they love their team, and that's what makes it dangerous. They should have had you call Shohei with that speech or Yamamoto. Well, I did send my little tips uh, to see if we could get something <laughs> going on with, with some of them, but uh, unfortunately I don't know what, what the, the track is going to be, but I'm just here to be helpful and uh, hopefully help to build it. Did you always have that attitude or did somebody pull it out of you
0: before you came here? Or was it Boston where you were intimidating on the mound, behind the microphone, you were a good quote, you weren't afraid? What brought it out
4: of you? Uh, confidence and honesty. I mean, I, yesterday I, I broke down with Wakey because uh, a lot of people don't know because we go, it, it happens we, behind the curtains what we do together. And when I first got here, I was a little lost. In a space in Boston I didn't know what to expect I didn't know what to do and Wakey took me and said hey listen Boston is just like this and like that we win here everybody's gonna go crazy He said I have a problem with trying to win I don't have a problem with protecting my teammates especially when you kinda because I grew up in the Dodgers organization kinda of being pushed away you're not good enough for us and then I asked to be traded to the Yankees they gave me the option to to be traded to the Yankees the trade almost happens three times oh man and they reversed it thank God so yeah thank God because all of a sudden all the anger I had and then you push me aside because you don't want me well pay the price right yeah so <laughs> I, I, I I hated facing the Yankees I, I didn't like the Yankees
1: you talk going back to the accountability and you know we don't get this opportunity often to, to speak with you I think the the one performance for me that most embodied that with you was Game Five at the ALDS, Jacobs Field in Cleveland, yes. where you didn't have your your stuff. I mean, you were your top stuff. You were battling an injury. You got in there and willed the team along with Troy O'Leary and some other people to to get that victory. And I feel like you said it with Wake saying it's simple. You know, just win and they'll be happy. In that way, Boston's easy but difficult yeah right i mean you basically you just have to do your best and answer questions after the game and then if you're like pedro martinez you'll walk into boston for the rest of your life and be surrounded by throngs of fans that want to say thank you for what you did
4: i don't want i don't feel afraid to do anything in boston you know i i i I was a bully as a pitcher I, i was someone not intimidated not to the situation not to the big moment not to any hitter not how high, how tall, whatever you are. You were just a baseball player, and I wasn't intimidated. But the only thing that will make me weak is is having moments like that. And I'm not afraid to show Boston that I'm sensitive towards a friend, towards a brother, towards anybody. And I'm sensitive to other people, too. Uh, You know, and, and that's the beauty of Boston. Boston also understands that. Boston understands that uh, you can be sensitive. I, 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 I didn't like the media that much, but I, I was responsible enough to answer my questions every time you guys ask me questions. So for me, uh, even though I had my moments of frustration, I had to. You guys were making a living. You guys needed me to give you quotes. Manny didn't like to talk to the media, but he would talk to me. And I'll give you the quote, a lot of times you guys saw that, Manny would not talk, Manny was afraid of Ngonchai to, to speak to you guys, but I wasn't. I knew who I was. I was doing it clean, I was doing it the way I should have done it, so why not give you my face? Oh well, you, you lit me up today? So what? <laughs> There's another team coming into, into town, you know? You have to do what you have to do. Uh, there are big league players on the other side, too. They can get you. Uh, <laughs> just try not to, not to let them get you too often. Right, right. That's what you got to do.
0: The great Pedro Martinez, our guest here at Winter Weekend for the Red Sox. Uh, today's game, pitchers are going five innings. It's so different, right? Do you When you watch, what's changed? Why, why,
4: why so different? It's not precisely the athletes, and I'm, I don't want to really uh, – uh, throw anybody under the bus. It's just that the organizations uh, have had so many, so many different things to try to improve the game, to make it better, to make sure that they stay healthy. And they don't understand that that's a totally, the total opposite. When I went out there, even if I threw five shutout innings, I felt like I did not accomplish what I was out there to do. My duties were nine or maybe plus. If if I could, but finish the game, finish what I started. It was my responsibility, and we go right back to accountability. If I'm an athlete making 25 to 30 millions, how can I settle for five innings and that's it? Any anybody here could call you a thief, because <laughs> five innings is, I mean, uh, uh, 25 million dollars. It's like you're stealing money. No, I own my contract. And I have never complained about the contract I got and how much I got. I never did. I always wanted to be, you know, the guy responsible for the money I was making and responsible to the community and responsible to everything I needed to do. And I did it. And I did it. And I can hang my head high now that I'm retired and say, I made what I deserve, not what these kids are making. It doesn't bother me. It's good for baseball that the players are well played, but they, they need to be accountable themselves and honor the amount of money that they're making. They need to realize that and, and have integrity and say, I am not a guy for four innings or three innings. I'm better than that. Or else your game is going to stay at the same level. Mediocre. Yeah, I wanted to be the best I could be. And I, 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 I thought I did the best I could possibly get from this small body. I'll say. I mean, the, from my perspective –
1: your peak is the best Boston athlete I have ever seen with my own two eyes. Better than Tom Brady's peak. It was in an era of offense. Your numbers were historically great. Can say it.
4: In the it, steroid era. In the steroid era. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, it was watching that 17 strikeout performance at Yankee Stadium, watching the 99 Game 3 ALCS against Clemens, watching your performances, and the thing that made 0-4 so great was that you were there, you began the culture, you know, Wake and other guys, mm-hmm. of course, Tech and Derek Lowe, and we all, you know, we can go through the roster, but that that championship with all you had endured from 97 on was really, for me, the thing that cemented it as this just remarkable achievement of just persevering, whether it was against the Yankees or just dealing with the, the stress. Because players today think that fans are tough. I mean i think you had it a little different in the late 90s early 2000s with the red
4: sox oh believe me they 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 were frustrated yeah and they had their hearts broken so many times through history here in boston the first thing i did before i got into the clubhouse was read a lot about the, the history of boston and coincidence or not stephen lindemann that was my first american teacher at the academy was a Bostonian, <laughs> graduated from Harvard University. And he went and told us everything about Boston. From the pesky pole to the, the history to the fights to not liking the Yankees to the Bucky Dent.
1: Right. To that Shaughnessy jerk and you know, all that. Yeah,
4: yeah exactly. <laughs> it's a, it's a, so, so I was aware of, of what Boston meant to the to 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 the to the to the, to the fan base. So that, that's, that's what I did. I, I, I actually embraced Boston with the challenges and everything, and everybody fed off, I think, of the way I took it. I didn't care that it was Ken Griffith Jr. and the mighty Seattle Mariners coming over. I blamed them the first day I pitched in Fenway. So everybody kind of, and then I, I, I had the laser-focused kind of mentality that I did not want to make friends in the field. I just wanted to beat you. And I would do whatever. So that rubbed off on everybody. And you know, Wakey. If Wakey had 97 and a breaking ball or something else, Wakey probably would have been worse than I was. That was a cranky old man. <laughs> <laughs> Wakey was a cranky old man. So we rub against each other all the time. And we feed off each other. And we rent together. And but Wakey was my pitching coach. As you all know, I did not share a good relationship with Joe Kerrigan. I did what I had to do. When I saw myself in trouble, I'll go to the video room, I'll send videos back to the Dominican to get fixed, my pitching coach, but I did not share my knowledge with Joe Kerrigan. Joe Kerrigan actually, I think, took advantage of my success here in Boston to say he was (laughs) the best pitching coach in in, in the land. So uh, I think my attitude and and the winning ways that, that I created in my career, I think, rubbed off on everybody and everybody kind of went over together and that that's the one thing that i can say during my time here unity was there every single year whether we had success or not we were united all the time to go out there and face the team that we're going to be facing
0: that's amazing and you have to go soon we only have a couple minutes with you but you mentioned last year to joe castiglione brian Bayo. As good stuff. I think you said better stuff than you, yes. which they got very upset at. What does he need to do to take the next step? At some point, you took the next step. How hard is that? What, what's the, what, what got you there?
4: I think Bayo already did the biggest fight, which is endure an entire season pitching with the team. You, you probably don't realize that. But Bayo was the, the only kid, and it's mostly because it's compared to me a lot. That he wanted to take accountability every time he took the mound. If we watch, Bayo was our best pitcher, and it's only a, a baby. The toughest thing for one young pitcher is to understand that his body allows him to complete an entire season pitching on the on the rubber. The learning process doesn't happen precisely during the season. You're too busy. Every four days, you got to be on top of that bump, and you don't realize so much what you need to do but after you leave and you sit back at home and you go wow I did this I struggle here I struggle there and you you stop to watch your videos you realize where you made the mistakes what should have been done but be careful with it because Bayo still young enough and good enough that we don't want to see him hurt but we need to guide him still he needs guidance and that's what Wakey and my brother Ramon, those veterans, were able to do with me. Guide me. Just be careful now. You have five starts where you have been seven, six, seven, eight. Well, you need to slow it down. Come back to the five innings area and come out of the game, regardless of what you do, doing, to protect your arm. We're not the biggest guys. Me and Bayo are pretty much the same. Statue. Yeah, exactly. So... He has the tools. Nobody can second guess what he has. 98, moving, good changeup, good slider. I think he has the tools and maybe even better than mine. But they need to protect him and guide him. Not baby him because he's not a baby anymore. He already endured an entire season and he's going to get his own experience. But guide him towards staying healthy. And we're going to get Brian Bayer for a long, long time.
1: All right, well, Pedro, I hope they have you around because that message should be resonating throughout the clubhouse and uh, grateful for your uh, time today. It's been an honor to have you on the show, so thank you, Pedro.
0: Well, thank you so much. Pedro it's Martinez. A pleasure. Thank you, Pedro. You're welcome. Awesome. We'll be right back from Winter Weekend. All right, final segment of the Ken and Curtis program here today at Winter Weekend, followed by Brad Fowler. Somebody's clapping That is our last segment. That's not yeah. very nice. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> that's Doug Laynor. Doug Laynor. Executive Mr. producer. The Mr. Bright side of WEEI. Yes, he is. Hall of Famer. He's going in with Joe this year. <laughs> he should. Joe should introduce Doug. Uh, that's going to be a, a fun event midsummer, but we had fun today, man. That was great talking to Pedro. I could just listen to him uh, speak. He's a great public speaker, you know. I just mean, in terms of. Uh, Motivation for unity, team cohesion. So and I remember attitude. vividly. I, I've told the story to you, Ken, before. But when it
1: was 95 offseason, the Sox had been swept by the Indians. Mo Vaughn won the MVP award. There was a silent auction at Filings' Basement for lunch with Mo Vaughn. My mom bid $200. We won. We went to <laughs> La Scala and Randolph. Wow. And Mo had this shake. <laughs> Probably was full of other things. But um, after lunch... We're walking, he shows us his Hummer, and it's this unbelievable car, all this stuff. And a guy pulls in to the parking lot for the restaurant and goes, You're gonna get a hit next postseason, you bum. <laughs> <laughs> he won the MVP that's what Boston was then. Yep. Like, what Pedro walked into was this hornet's nest of misery.
0: Not to mention Joe Kerrigan. I didn't know it was the Oh, Joe was Kerrigan. That. Oof, that was great. I
1: love that. You know what I love about Pedro is he holds on to grudges. That is phenomenal.
0: I remember at uh, Northeastern, Kerrigan took over at the end of the year. Um, one year is interim manager and you could tickets nobody was in the stands I remember walking down the front row I, re- I remember I was looking at
1: Providence College that news broke and Joe Kerrigan said he was going to have a set lineup that was his <laughs> big answer Carl Everett um, but Pedro what that yeah. I remember Pedro one year he was walking down and somebody booed like one guy out of 30,000 booed and he like stared him down that's what the greats do to fuel themselves. And today, Pedro sits here, and he said that. That's a great point, that what he began with Tim Wakefield and what David carried on is gone. You know, guys like Dustin Pedroia. I mean, you can go up and down to players, Mookie Betts, that embodied that.
0: Well, the homegrown people have left. It's, it's hard to keep that when Mookie's gone and no, sam has gone. No, but David wasn't homegrown. I mean, these are yeah.
1: people that were within the organization. And I get the feeling from Pedro that he wants to be around more, Mm -hmm. that he wants to be asked. I mean, how could you turn down that guy? Just put him in the room for an hour. Right? How do you not leave? The accountability was the most important quality. And, I mean, I remember that the Yankees were afraid of him. Soriano dipping over the plate, Pedro chucking at him, Michael (laughs) Kay having a, you know going apoplectic on yes yeah. network saying he's this like you know this bomb tossing headhunter <laughs> and but he he walked into the belly of the beast i mean think of a guy of that stature standing on the mound at yankee stadium the house that ruth built striking out 17 one of the most unbelievable performances Not to game 3 was ever all right and you know it was that was 03 yeah yeah game 3 of 03 was i mean <laughs> unbelievable scene but i mean there's never been a guy that answered the bell on and off the field the way Pedro did. And there there will never be another Pedro Martinez, that much I'm sure
0: of. Well, it's been fun out here, Curtis. We didn't take any calls today. We were just chatting with baseball people. We got a little football talk in. yeah. But for the most part, dominated by the Sox. This is a good event for us and them. Great day. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of skeptics, obviously. They're going to have to prove it, as Sam Kennedy said. You got him going? Fair question. Maybe a little over top in his response, but I think he probably felt he had to be. I think I got the brunt of the fans last night. Yeah, yeah. I wonder that if Werner and Henry sit around sometimes and are like, these people are so ungrateful. We won four, and this is how they treat us. Right. Or do they know that's what they signed up for? But the fan base says you're
1: charging us for championships when you're in last place. So you've got to get it both ways. You can't, you know, if you want to be the Brewers, fine. Then have, you know, Bernie Brewer Day and give me a $5 beer and a hot dog and $20 parking, and I'm, I'll sign up. But it's not the case at all. So... I don't know how you continue to they they, they increased ticket prices this off. It was only by a couple percent, mm-hmm. but you're decreasing payroll and increasing ticket prices. I There's mean, a lot how of you, a lot of pressure on Breslow to produce early because <laughs> Breslow. My <laughs> takeaway. My takeaway. Pedro is still the Pedro, and Breslow is the opposite. He looked like he was a deer in headlights.
0: <laughs> Holy cow! All right. Well, Brad up next. He's got uh, Tristan Casas coming on. Pavetta, who ducked you this year, because you That's and Pavetta right. had a big stare I mean, down last year. That pitch count conversation, or not p- pitch count, pitch, pitch clock. Yeah, it's like the Gettysburg Address of the speed of baseball. Right again, Curtis. Like you nailed it. I mean, I wonder if Pavetta like was haunted by that all year. like, God, that he, guy Chris Curtis was right. He privately apologized. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you? One of those times you were over at the clubhouse, yeah, just hanging around. I was hanging
1: around when I was asking about Chris Sale. You and Pete Abe. Yeah. Yeah, you'll be back there this year. You got on to Fort Myers.
0: Get back, hang out with the beat Riders. I love it. I'm going to take into sights. Pete Abe and I got lunch scheduled at Sweet Tomato. <laughs> Alex Spear. We walked in with Alex today, by the way. You and Alex got frisked by the security here at the, the Mass most Mutual most overzealous
1: security guard. It's like I was walking into the Unabomber. <laughs> I'm like, it's. what are you doing? Well, you are suspicious. oh uh, yeah. I mean, you yeah. Look, look off. Right, well, that's, I mean, I don't, if I got frisked every time I looked off, I'd never get in anywhere.
0: <laughs> I felt safer having walked through there. And then, you know, I felt bad for Alex because he's the nicest guy ever. There's no way he's got anything going on. <laughs> he
1: literally gave Alex a full cavity search in the middle of the day. <laughs>
0: Oh, you're safe here you know that oh my god anyway. we uh, we love our Springfield affiliate 1055 and we'll be back out here for the road show at some point in the spring we will and
1: snow show big uh, event coming up a week from yesterday Yep. two, week weeks, two weeks from yesterday week. Groundhog uh, day. loon Mountain Groundhog day and every day baseball isn't boring mm-hmm. that's true I'm gonna get I've tried to order online for Red Rose they aren't even accepting orders so I'm gonna have to go
0: back empty-handed. Don't forget to check out the baseball is a boring podcast, and also our guys from Play Tessie are here: Cooper, Leonard, Gordo, Sammy—they're all here. Sh- they should have gotten Tessie on. Yeah, maybe they will. Maybe they got a picture for the uh, for the book jacket. All right, all right Ken, great thank job you, by my Doug friend. Lane as well. Thank you to Doug thank for his Doug. Uh, expertise. God and bless. Uh, Yeah, thanks for all the fans for coming out and listening in. We love Springfield. Bradford next. Don't go anywhere.